And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, of course, Travis Fulton. Was hoping to bring you some beautiful images of Lake Coeur d'Alene as I stand right here on my, my balcony overlooking this beautiful mountain lake. As many of you know, this is the part of the country <laughs> that, I, that I grew up in and had it all set up. Beautiful backdrop, nice sunny day, probably about 77, no humidity if you're into that kind of stuff. Be playing golf this afternoon. Coeur Resort, the floating green. I'll probably jump in the lake as well. Did yesterday. It was about 63 degrees, froze, got immediately out. But uh, it's going to be a beautiful day here. And um, lots to talk about. Rocket <coughs> Mortgage Classic Detroit Golf Club, second year at that venue. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau just continues his great play. 66 on Sunday, wins by three over Matthew Wolf, who struggled most of the day on Sunday had a three shot lead coming in that went away click quickly to Bryson Matthew finishing up 72 but uh, it just seemed like inevitable a matter of time Bryson DeChambeau playing some great golf and uh, just completely overtook that golf course with power in the distance era that we have been in Bryson well I think he's put a stake in the ground 350 yards first time in the PGA Tour history that someone has averaged 350 let me say that again averaged 350 off of the tee 30 pounds of course he's heavier we know that since college some technique differences that we broke down with his coach Chris Como go check that out the podcast that was a really good one on some of the things that they've done <coughs> to help with that speed but the ball speed the highest it's been all year and I thought, you know what? Who could relate to 350 yards off of the tee? And I thought, you know what? I've got the perfect guy this week to come in. Eamon Lynch, someone that's accustomed to bombing it off of the tee. I'm going to welcome him now. Eamon, how you doing, my friend? I'm farther into the woods than ever, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the introduction. How, uh, how's the golf game going? I want to start there. I know, um, <laughs> you know you and I had a short encounter you fired me quickly you moved on um so where fairness, you did last longer you did last longer than most guys you got a, a day out of it <laughs> i got a day out of it and i and i and I actually got a compliment text that i saved which i <laughs> you know i felt very honored that you gave me a compliment that you know you might know what you're talking about and i was like you know what maybe i do that's coming from eman that's <laughs> Of course, Eamon Lynch, uh, Golf Channel contributor. You see him all the time. Great job, by the way, up at uh, at Travelers. Really thoroughly enjoyed you and Cara. Thank and uh, Golf Week columnist. And on Twitter, as he also references a tortured golfer. How much are you playing these days, Eamon? I know you love the sport. You cover it well. How much are you playing? Not a lot. I'm still in that uh, phase that's been going on for about four years now where I kind of live on the driving range. And I'm as happy as can be out there because I don't have a pencil in my hand. It's when I go to the first tee that things tend to go slightly sideways, but I suppose I'm not alone in that respect. I probably play maybe 15 times last year, which shows, I suppose, how bad the uh, swing paralysis has gotten since there was a point six, seven years ago where I probably played 120 rounds a year. Yeah. So it's dropped off a lot. You know, it's funny, you make a good point, pencil in your hand, you know, I, it, Ever since I just took the pencil away, you know, I used to play quite a bit when I was younger and was a decent player, scratch player, played small golf, but college golf, but I don't play anymore. And when I go out and play like I am this afternoon here at the resort, it's like, I don't even care what I shoot. Like when I start keeping score and then I post like a 74, 75, it's like, all right, you know, 
it's just depressing. So I'm like, I just put it away, have a beverage, enjoy my friends. <laughs> That's what golf means to me now in playing. It's not about the score. It's just about having a good time. Well, it's a noble spirit. I hope to get to that point someday myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot to talk to. I know you had a, uh, a, uh, a good read there in golf week on Saturday. Uh, had some things to say about Bryson and his encounter um, with the bunker on seven green. And then shortly thereafter, the cameraman walking to the eighth. We're going to get to all that Bryson, the brand, but I want to start with Bryson, uh, the golfer here for a second and what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is pretty remarkable stuff. We talk, we've been talking a lot here on the podcast about Bryson. Um, you know, I had his coach on Chris Como. We talked about a lot of the things that they've done, um, in the swing, to help gain speed, but you know, he's dominating a course right now, distance strokes in off the tee, you know, he was first once again at rocket mortgage, but he hit 56 to 72 greens in regulation. But I think the most impressive stat, you know, strokes gained putting, um, he was second. I mean, if you're going to hit the ball that far off the tee, three fifty, mm-hmm. and then you're going to go stroke saying second putting Bryson, the golfer right now is pretty damn impressive. He is. And it's, I think so much of the attention is focused on, on the distance and the bulking up and the body transformation that I think people lose sight of the fact that this process with him began years before he started to bulk up. I mean, if you looked at his strokes gained, but in statistics, his first three years on tour, he didn't crack the top 140 in a year. And the last three seasons, he's been in the low twenties to the high thirties. And he's performing a lot better than that right now. Uh, and certainly did last week. So when you put together, that kind of distance gain, which I believe Mark Brody suggested it was close to something like two strokes around with the, the amount of distance he was gaining. And you put that together with a guy who's putting as well as Bryson did. And that's a very combustible combination on any golf course. Yeah. And it's not just the power <clears throat> that, like you said, that, you know, where he's just going to bombers tracks and playing well. I mean, this is a pretty solid run <clears throat> here. And when you look at the courses that he's been playing, you know, you, you, you go T5, second, fourth, T3, T8, T6, and first. I mean, you've got some harbor towns mixed in there. You've got some colonial-type golf courses mixed in there, golf courses that are not going to allow you just to, to bust it off of the tee and play the bomb and gouge. I mean, you've got to have some finesse, you know, with your iron game and be able to get the ball up and down a little bit. You know, he's, he's showing a lot of versatility here, I think, um, in the last month, month and a half, well, you know, for actually longer than that with the COVID break. Um, but this mm-hmm. is a game that's going to travel. He's going to, you get to courses like Detroit, you get to courses like Mirafield where he's won. Uh, I mean, what a huge advantage, but he, he seems to have all the tools as well. Sure. And when you look at all of the components that you just described, that plays pretty well at Harding Park as well when we get to the PGA Championship mm-hmm. in, in three weeks from now or a month from now. So he's, and I saw this morning, he's considered the betting favorite for the PGA Championship now, which is quite a statement considering he's never had a single top 10 in a major championship in his career. And I thought it was interesting over the weekend, Nota Begay made uh, a point on Saturday's post-game show on Golf Channel about Bryson around the greens. And his numbers are pretty good. You know, he's third in strokes gained scrambling off the tee, obviously putting very well, but there's no artistry to anything Bryson does. It, there, he looks like a guy who doesn't do anything with feel. Mm-hmm. And Nota had brought that up in terms of some of the wedge shots that we saw him airmail the green with, short irons, during the course of this week. And this idea that the, the finesse shots aren't quite there. And 
it's going to be really interesting to see as this season rolls on and we get into the tournaments that really matter on, on major championships and certainly when we get to Augusta where finesse does typically matter whether or not his data crunching approach can actually just lead him to victory there because that's some, I suppose a slightly more nuanced type of golf historically but he's he's answered every question that's been posed of him thus far the questions are only going to get more interesting as this abbreviated season rolls on i just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at encore golf encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that i have ever seen their team in buffalo new york is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter weighted designs which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course with their award-winning elixir and avant 55 golf balls they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show. Yeah, and whether his body can hold up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you're putting this kind of bulk on it. Now you're swinging at this kind of speed. You know, when does something start <clears throat> to break mm -hmm. down, particularly the thickness in the chest area, I think, will be something to watch and you know to me someone asked me what's the next step for him I said well I think the next step is to start performing the major championships now and he, he has yet to crack a top 10 um, mm -hmm. in any of the four majors so I think you bring up a good point now as we get into you know these bigger tournaments and the nuances that go into that you know will this kind of golf transfer one would seem yes he is the favorite um, at the PGA I saw he's the favorite at, at Augusta now as well mm -hmm. um, so everybody, the, the betters uh, are, are impressed with what they're seeing with, with what length means off of the tee and what he's doing with the flat stick. Um, but, but it will be remain to be seen. I mean, th these four major championships, only three now, of course, this year, um, it'll be interesting to follow how things will go and if he can start to crack the top 10 and maybe clip one off this year. How do you see it? Uh, well, where Bryson gets really interesting, and he's, to me, he's the most interesting guy in golf right now. He's terrifically good for the game. Because we need more polarizing characters. We need people that fans will engage with and both cheer for and, and jeer against. That's the very essence of sports fandom. Where it gets really interesting for him going down the road is what happens when his approach doesn't provide the answer, which it has done right now. We see it with the, the bulking up and the driving distances and the putting. He's made progress. He set out to do it in a very particular way, and it's worked fine for him. But there is going to come a point, as it does with every golfer and every athlete, where the answer isn't on the trackman screen. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think I, he's going to become a, an extraordinarily interesting or even more so character for me is when there is some kind of career crisis, which every athlete and every golfer has had even the best, and figure out where he goes from there. Because the answer is not always found in data. And he has taken that approach thus far in his career, very successfully. But we saw how much it kind of wears on him when the data he inputs does not give him the output he wants. You know, he had that meltdown on the driving range at the Open Championship a couple of years ago that was caught on camera. And he's had a couple of episodes, even last week. Uh, it was interesting watching him look absolutely dumbfounded at certain shots that he thought he made a perfectly good swing. And, you know, on the 15th hole one day, he had it 65 feet past the hole. And he's looking at the wind, he's staring at his caddy, he's befuddled by this. So I think he struggles with the idea that if he puts 
a swing on the ball that is designed to do X and the yeah. ball somehow does Y, he, I think, has a short circuit somewhere in there. And that ultimately is how golf is played, is in that short circuit space. That's where you find the guys who somehow adapt to the circumstances of what they have on a given day. And right now he has it every day he goes out there, but there will be a day, um, perhaps soon, perhaps not, that he won't have it. And how he chooses to find the answer is where it gets really interesting. Well, he's on his way to Denver right now. He's uh, working with a neuroscientist on the mind. And um, perhaps that's part of the equation when the uh, computer breaks down and uh, what needs to happen from there. I think those are all valid points. I mean, you look at him right now in his career to this point. I mentioned, you know, no top tens to this point in major championships. Six wins now. He won the John Deere Memorial, Northern Trust, Dell Technology, Shriners, and now the Rocket Mortgage. Um, some big wins in there. You know, he's he's had a couple big wins, some good um, facilities. He's shown some range. You know, you look at where that stacks up with some other big names. Of course, Ricky has five, so Bryson just passed him. Webb has seven. We know where Webb's at in his career. He's certainly one of the best players in the world. Patrick Reed, eight. Kuchar, nine. Rose, 10. Spieth, 11. JT, 12. I mean, you know, where are we going with yeah. Bryson here in his career when it's when it's all said and done? I know that's a big question. But you start looking at his name now and six wins and where it stacks up, um, you know, this this could be a, a 15 to 20 win kind of guy. And who knows what the majors. Yeah. And unlike everyone else, uh, Travis, he doesn't appear to be a guy who's dependent on the idea of getting hot on a given week to win. Or he's not happy with this idea that if you win once a season or twice a season, you're having a damn good career. He seems to set this baseline for himself every week that he expects to put himself in contention on the back nine on Sunday. And he's actually managed to do that every week of the last seven. So that that's, I think, kind of what separates him is that there's a, a very finely tuned blueprint that he believes is his pathway to success. And others are working, I'm assuming, just as hard as, as Bryson is, but it doesn't seem to have the same expectation with everyone else. It's, you know, yeah, I had a bad week with a putter. It'll be better next week. Whereas DeChambeau seems to take this approach of, I had a bad week with a putter. How do I fix that by doing A, B, or C? Right. So that it doesn't come up again next week. It's a very different thought process. Ultimately, the results over the duration of a career um, are, are very variable. You know, there are a lot of vagaries in this game. And Bryson doesn't seem like the kind of guy who you know, is wired for the vagaries of the game where you get a bad bounce or you get a sudden gust of wind, things like that, uh, that, that might short-circuit him a little more than they would the others. But, you know, his numbers are certainly going in the right direction now. Let's talk about Bryson, the brand. And, and as I mentioned in the introduction, your Golf Week article, <clears throat> um, where it was stemmed from after, you know, Bryson graded <clears throat> a cameraman after a mediocre sand shot, of course, on the 7th. And then uh, walking to the eighth green and, you know, Bryson states and I, and I quote, he was, you know, literally filming me the whole entire way up after getting out of the bunker, you know, walking up next to the green. I was like, sir, what is the need uh, to watch me this long? And of course, Bryson was hot. He was, uh, you know, lashing out a bit. And then uh, you Mm -hmm. tweeted out that uh, Bryson complains that being, shown acting like a, a petulant brat and i quote hurts his brand who wants to be the one to tell him this question mark 
talk about that and why you felt the need to put that out there after Bryson's, you know, outlash on Saturday. Well, we've seen golfers for years, including the very best in the world, get upset at cameramen, you know, because they get into their field of vision or they make a noise on the backswing or somehow cause a distraction. But Bryson wasn't actually complaining about anything of the, of that nature. Bryson's complaint was that the cameraman was showing him in a light that would be unfavorable because he had a temper tantrum in the bunker and through his club. And he was quite vocal in his comments that, <clears throat> excuse me, that's what he found objectionable was that the cameraman was not protecting his brand. That is the most imbecilic comment I've ever heard from a PGA Tour pro because it's not their job to protect Bryson's brand. It's, it's his job to worry about his brand. It's their job to bring us the action. And so whenever Bryson chooses to complain about that on that basis, to me, it just seemed worthy of, of calling out. How did, how did this, how did this <clears throat> incident change your mind about Bryson? Or is this like, or is this how you've seen it for a while now? And, and, you know, and how it kind of served the opportunity to, to point this out. Is this something that, that you've seen, you know, hints of Bryson, as you put it, quote, he's an insufferable gobshite. And I had to look that up, by the way. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> but insufferable gobshite is, I'm going to allow you to explain it to the audience. Well, I suppose a gobshite would be deemed to be a kind of a talkative, a bumbling talkative type in, in Irish slang. Bryson has always been the way he is now. I have argued repeatedly over the years that he is good for the game. We need people like Bryson in it, not just because he plays at the level he does, but because he he engages fans, he gives them something to talk about for better or worse. And it's astonishing how many fans have a, a visceral dislike of Bryson that has no apparent basis on it. I've I've never actually seen DeChambeau be rude to anyone. He seems generally polite to people when he's at tournaments. Mm-hmm. There isn't that kind of there's n- he never strikes you as having any kind of mean spirited vibe to him. But there's a certain witlessness to him. There's a lack of self-awareness. And he gets himself into these sort of minor controversies where he doesn't handle it very well. That was one of them, the slow play issue last year when he was starting to get in the face of, of Kepka and his caddy. It's, there is no one in his circle, it seems, who's willing to actually take him aside and give him some kind of advice about how to manage his public persona. Mm-hmm. And He's, you know, he's always been very confident. He's always talked uh, in, in these kind of pseudoscientific terms that a lot of people relate to and enjoy. And a lot of people find it kind of smug or, or self-satisfied. I've never felt strongly about it one way or the other. He's definitely an engaging guy. But to the idea that he's somehow beyond any kind of criticism, which also seems to be the response of some of his defenders, to me, it's just kind of laughable when he's when any player steps out of, of bounds to the extent that Bryson did in that commentary over the weekend. It's worth pointing out. Yeah, it, it, it's silly. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And when I read the article, I, you know, thought this would be a great time for us to, to jump on. We've been trying to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I think self-awareness is something that many golfers, you know, young golfers can could use a little bit more of, and particularly with Bryson. And I think we're people get rubbed the wrong way in this game is when someone is out there and, and suggests that they're the smartest man in the world and they're thinking of things that you're not and it comes across arrogant. And I think Kepka has a little bit of that as well. And I think it rubs people 
the wrong way. But at the end of the day, I think with our sport, um, these different personalities and, you know, these, these guys putting it out there the way that they are, it might be uncomfortable for some. I mean, I know for me, I, I don't, I, I tend to, to catch it a little bit more as arrogance and it kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. But at the end of the day, I think, like you said, I mean, Bryson Brooks, this approach, I mean, it's challenging the status quo. I think it's good for the game. Yeah. And they also back it up with results, which makes yeah. it a lot more tolerable, but we've had this, I think, Certainly, Brooks is antsy when it comes to this topic. And I, I suspect a little bit with Bryson as well. This golf tradition that one must be 100% respectful and deferential to every tradition that exists in the game. And to act like all every tour pro who's gone before you has acted with, you know, courtesy and professionalism and diplomacy and all of these things. And they are much more, I think, of the kind of modern athlete trying to bring that little bit of trash talking that little bit of poking and prodding from other sports into golf particularly I think Brooks he does enjoy that but that's also a very quick way in this game to find yourself on the receiving end of a lot of criticism who want you to act like generations of dead men before you and I think the golf industry and certainly the PGA Tour needs and thrives from having guys like this who are a little bit different. And I think we're actually heading into a golden era here because it's, you know, you've guys like Bryson and, and Matt Wolf who completely own their own uber quirky golf swings. Yeah. And then you have guys like, you know, Brooks and even JT who are fond of a little trash talking and even Phil still to this extent. It's the kind of the vanilla approach that has applied to the PGA Tour, both in players and coverage of the tour for years, I think is diminishing because it's getting a lot more colorful in terms of golf swings and in terms of personality. And that can only be considered good for the game. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And it kind of leads me into this next question is, you know, golf needs more guys that would fit. Here's your, here's your options, right? Cause we're getting a little more mm -hmm. colorful, but as we look at it right now and all the examples that you just put forth, which I think are all valid golf needs more guys like a, your spring break group, your, your Spieth, Fowler, JT, Smiley Coffin, right? The boys at spring break, whooping it up. Or the table for one group, your Patrick Reeds, your, your Brysons, your Sergio. What, at this point, and I know it's obvious we need a little bit of everybody, but which, which way would you go? Which way do we need – who do we need a little bit more of? Uh, I think we have plenty of the spring break crew because ultimately <laughs> those are some of the more vanilla guys out there and it, it's interesting when you look at it the the guy who was considered I suppose an early forerunner of this group in terms of bringing a little color to the game was Ricky Fowler right and um, I, I think Ricky's been tremendous for the game but it's a very meager return on Ricky's talents that we've seen now at the age of almost 32 and uh, Ricky is great value for his sponsors but ultimately the only time we see Ricky on a Sunday afternoon is when he pops up in a commercial and he's not delivering, uh, in terms of his performance, what one would have expected from him at this point. But again, he's, he's working on a swing changes. I think there's much more value to the sport in terms of engaging fans to be either cheering or jeering in the table for one crowd. And if Bryson is a villain, I think he's a villain, villain unwittingly. I don't think he sets out to be that. I actually think the guy wants to be liked and probably is quite puzzled that they're fat. some people don't seem to like him. Patrick Reed doesn't seem to care if you like him or not. <laughs> yeah. And 
that actually makes Reed the genuine villain on the tour, especially when you get into his actual conduct on the golf course. But he's the guy who seems to be most comfortable with the idea of being a villain. And I don't have any problem with guys who want to take on that role because ultimately it makes the entire product of this sport and the PGA Tour, you know, a lot more interesting. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. You know, you brought up um, there's a lot of spring break guys and Fowler and, and where he's at. It's going to be interesting. Critical time, like you said, 32, um, you know, here for Ricky and big swing changes, wholesale changes um, in his golf swing. A bit surprised, really, that he's taking on that much um, this at this point in his career. Another guy that made some changes, Jordan Spieth. You, you see anything like – have you ever seen anything like this before with, with Spieth and just, you know – on top of the world and then losing his greatest asset, which was his putter during the process of what sounds like chasing a little bit more distance. Um, and then, you know, getting the putter back and then all of a sudden we see signs like, Oh, there he is. He's back 66, 67. And then, I mean, completely the other end of the spectrum, the next two days on the weekend, have you ever seen the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of a player like Jordan Spieth right now? Not in golf, but I would I would definitely say, Travis, he is the most compelling guy on tour from the neck up because he gives us everything as he's watching the ball. You know, he's the agonized cries for the ball to react one way or the other. And it's it's kind of it's been a really interesting case study to watch him now. He's three years this month removed from his last win, which was at the Open Championship. And there's a lot of talk about him getting it back and almost as though you're looking for another spike in his career and my question to that would be well what if that was it because there are times in sports where a man's absolute peak can be dangerously close to to the end i think back into matt svelander in tennis which is a great example of this in 1988 matt matt's won three of the four grand slam tournaments that gave him seven for his career he was the number one in the world demonstrably the best player on the face of the earth. He was 24 years old and he won one tournament uh, after 1988 in the rest of his career, never contended again in a Grand Slam. So there was a guy who was indisputably the best at the top of the game with three Slams on his mantelpiece. And then he won one minor tournament after 1988 and he played for another eight years after that. So it's very possible that we have seen the absolute peak of Jordan Spieth. I'm inclined to think that we haven't, but it's possible. And the reason I would say it, it, I don't think we have, is because the one gift Spieth had seemed to be the gift that nobody else, with the possible exception of JT in that generation had, which is the ability to get the ball in the hole ugly. You look at a guy like say Adam Scott, who's just a beautiful golf swing. Adam couldn't get the ball in the hole mm-hmm. when it mattered. And a lot of these guys, if the swing isn't there, it becomes very difficult for them to win with with a B game or to scratch their way around to a victory. And people forget that Jordan butchered the 71st hole at Chambers Bay when he won the US Open and that he won the Open Championship at Berkeley from the driving range. So he has the ability when things literally go sideways to somehow still manage to scratch out a win and do what needs to be done in the heat of the moment. And that's the gift that I think might actually be the one that matters most in getting him back somewhere closer to the top of the game. Yeah, he can he can score ugly. I mean, there's no yeah. question about it. It's amazing um, to watch him go to work and scramble and score and manufacture and turn what looks like 73 into 69. 
Um, <laughs> Which was yeah, always Tiger's great advantage. I, yeah, I get that question a lot on Spieth. Is, is he going to make – and it's like I still – yes. You know, I'm surprised and have been criticized for stating this, but I'm surprised that he is still in the same camp that he is and doing the things that he is. I think there's been a very long runway there. And although things have maybe improved a bit, mm-hmm. um, I'm still surprised that we're having this discussion. But, if, you know, in must-watch TV, I think, you know, I'm still going Tiger 1. Uh, I'm probably going Rory 2. And I'm probably going Speed 3, Eamon. I mean, I'm probably going 3 with Speed because he is just so compelling. And you know what you're going to get. And he, but you know one thing for sure. He's going he's gonna to grind and get it in the hole. And he's probably going to make the lowest score possible for that day, even if he's hitting it off the planet. <laughs> Yeah, and these, it's the same reason that people found a lot of appeal in, in Phil Mickelson and a lot of appeal in Arnold Palmer, is that yeah. the sometimes the 75 is every bit as much of a thrill ride as the 63. Now, Jordan was a little bit more whining than those guys did on the golf course, but even that adds to the appeal in a way. It's like watching, as though well, you're eavesdropping on a therapy session when you watch Jordan Spieth play golf. That are, there are all of these things he's trying to work out with his relationship with his caddy, his relationship with his coach. What is the game doing to him? And you get to watch all of this in technicolor detail with him. So if he's if he's hitting a golf shot, I'm watching it. And I'm not necessarily that concerned where the ball goes because watching <laughs> him is the entertainment. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why Bryson's so good for the game is just those terms is that he, to me, is number four. I mean, he is must watch. I mean, A, he's hitting at a country mile. B, He's compelling on what he's going to do. It's interesting in the fantasy golf world, right? You know, fantasy golf has has grown so much. It's number two behind football now. And I've had a couple of the experts on who are not real big golfers, but they are professional gamblers mm-hmm. and they're professional in the fantasy space. And they know their numbers and they, they crunch data and they're very educated on um, the game of golf and how these best players in the world play it. And it's interesting one of them made a comment to me on the podcast last week. He says, you know, in our world, we don't like Jordan Spieth <laughs> and we never have. And, you know, and I said, well, that's interesting. And I said, why is that? He says, well, because he, he says, A, he does things that are so against the, the average and the norm. He chips in from way behind the green when everybody else is not getting up and down. He's making putts at a rate that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to them. And he, and on and on top of that, he's a whiner. <laughs> so I can tell you, as fantasy golf grows, and the people that play fantasy golf, which is a large number, Spieth, he, he's he's not on the uh, he's kind of on the shit list. We've all heard the rumors, but the wait is finally over. Fight Island is primed and ready to go. This Saturday, the fighters will be taking their talents to Abu Dhabi for UFC 251. The lineup of fights this weekend is one of the best yet in DraftKings. The leader in one-day sports is putting you in the center of the action starting this Thursday with a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stand on the salary cap, and pile up points for advances takedowns and more there's no better way to put your mma knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at one million dollars but if mma isn't for you don't worry DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament with millions of dollars up for grabs this week there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code Travis to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize for this weekend's 
UFC 251 contest with your first deposit. That's promo code Travis to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. <laughs> well, what, what gets really interesting with, with guys like him, and maybe it's just this kind of Irish fatalism I have. <laughs> I've always been found athletes, even the greatest in their game, I've always found them so much more interesting as character studies when they're struggling. Not necessarily when they're on the way down, but when they're struggling. I mean, when I first started watching golf as a kid in Ireland in the 80s, I became obsessed with watching Tom Watson. And at that point, Watson couldn't make it from three feet. But he could tee the green. He was as good as he ever was. And that remained that way right up until he almost won the Open a few weeks shy of 60. And I, I just found it so interesting that a guy could be as good as he was for so long, and suddenly it's not there anymore. It's almost like sort of watching Johnny Miller mm-hmm. when the putter went. It was watching Tiger with, through various injuries and then those chipping yips five years ago. Uh, where he was really interesting. And it's no different now with Jordan watching a guy who has tasted that level of success so early and is now struggling to get back to something like an average tour pro career. And that's why down the road, the Bryson will be interesting to watch as well because this game does it to everyone and it will do it to Bryson DeChambeau as well. There's no way he's going to avoid it. That's the nature of the game. It's the nature, I think, of professional sports. And that's why he's just he's setting himself up to be a really interesting character for a long time to come, good or bad golf. Yeah. It's gonna humble you for sure. I mean it's gonna it's gonna knock you down. I think it's humbled Brooks a bit and um and it'll be a matter of time before it humbles Bryson a little bit. But I love the must watch TV of these players. I think the more of them we have, the more compelling the game is. And I would have to think the game has perhaps grown a little bit here through this COVID nineteen. It's the only game in town. Um, yep. people are watching it. The fields have been great. And, um, Hey, as far as I'm concerned, when golf's the only thing on TV, it's probably a good thing for the sport. And just looking ahead here briefly, I know you're a busy man. I want to, I want to throw a couple young names at you. Um, you know, covering the game as closely as you do. We've got the workday charity event, uh, charity open, I should say at Muirfield <laughs> village back to back weeks, which is going to be interesting, uh, to see how the course is set up. I would think it's probably going to play very different as far as tees, pins, probably move it back in length some, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But Matthew Wolf, um, young gun, uh, played well last week, really caught a hot putter, struggled on Sundays, won once. What's your, you know, what's your initial take on uh, the young Matthew Wolf? I could watch that kid hit balls all day, and I, I've spent a lot of time standing on driving ranges on tour watching him hit balls. It's just a, a guy who owns his own golf swing. Now, the issue of getting it in the hole is, you know, problematic at times for Matt Wolf, but he's, he's a kid who seems to actually be enjoying himself, which a lot of these kids don't actually appear to be when they get out on tour early in their career, but he's always seems to be laughing, joking, smiling. His, I thought his short game showed uh, a little wear and tear yesterday when it mattered, certainly in the early stages of the final round, but it's really interesting that he's only had one top 10 in his career, which was the victory at the 3M yeah. Open last year. He hasn't had a top 50 on tour all year until this past weekend at the Rocket Mortgage. So he's, you know, he's still only a year in his, just a year and a week past his professional debut, really. So it's time to actually see what happens when he finds his feet. He's now familiar with the golf courses that he's playing. When he goes back to them, for the most part, he's going to be going back for the second time. So the comfort level 
will grow a little bit. He was thrown in at the deep end with that win very early in his career. And now he, I think he's trying to catch up with the success in terms of the, the learning curve of being out there. But he's, yeah. he's a guy who's just going to be so interesting to watch for a long time to come. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's, it's unique. I love the uh, homebred swings, the personality in the swings. And, um, and, you know, he hits it, obviously, a country mile, the distance is there. You know, I, I think the, you know, the short game on Sunday was not good. But I, I think overall, the, the, the one um, top 10, which was the win, you know, a lot of that that's holding him back is his iron play, you know, and he's, <laughs> he, he's not sharp when it comes to strokes and approach. And it'll be interesting to see if he can clean up what is probably the most important statistic on tour. And that's the only thing that's probably holding me back a bit with Wolf is, you know, the stroke scan approach. Can he sharpen those tools up a little bit to get it better? Because if he doesn't over a period of time, um, you'll be chewed up on the PGA tour. One guy that doesn't struggle in that is Victor Hovland. If that kid um, catches a hot putter week, like Matthew Wolf did last week, he will win again because this kid can drive the ball. He's great into the greens. His short game showed, I thought some improvement last week. Um, Mm -hmm. He just needs to get the ball in the hole with putter. And um, if he can do that, the way this kid hits it, I think Hobbins got big upside. Sure. He's like the kind of shorter, less flashy version of Johnny Miller. Because do you remember Johnny used to say back in the day that there were a few years on tour where he had to lean sideways to see the flag on his approach shots. <laughs> and Hobbins hits more irons dead at the hole than anyone else I see out there. And again, it is the, the issue with the flat stick tends to be fuddle him once in a while. But, you know, that's something he's obviously try to work on and certainly his chipping statistics have improved of late because that was a very noticeable weak part of his game and he actually said uh, on the record that his chipping was crap yeah and that was actually the word he used um so you know the one thing these guys all have on their side is time because they're all you know they're 21 22 years old yep. they are still in the infancy of what can be very long careers out there you know they've got you know almost 30 years on Phil Mickelson. So they, and Phil's still trying to reinvent his game and work on stuff right now. So, you know, they, they have plenty of time to do this, but the, add in Colin Morikawa there and you've got a triumvirate that just could really be not necessarily dominant forces, but they could be very, very prominent forces in this game for another 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, Morikawa is another good young player. I mean, is Sanjay M, is Sanjay M the most rounded at this point do you feel the best player of the young crew i think so and his results would seem to show it yeah as well and maybe there's something to be said for the fact that he kind of you know lives out of a, a suitcase that he's had this kind of grind in life to get there so maybe he's got a little bit more perspective or perhaps he's got less maybe he just has fewer distractions because he is living with his family his parents in a hotel room week to week on tour so he's not necessarily out there with the same social circle as, as all these other young guys have. So it, you could read it either way, but his results would certainly suggest that he's the one who's delivering right now on the promise that they all have. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. Good field again this week. I know I'm enjoying these these terrific fields that we were getting. And, and last week, of course, the weakest of, of the return, but still a strong week for Rocket Mortgage. Another good field this week. Uh, Mirrorfield will be a slam dunk. I think we'll see Tiger. My final question to you, uh, Tiger healthy as we've seen him um, in the past. Pete Tiger, he comes back. He's going to win again, right? We're going to see 83 this year, maybe 84. 
maybe major championship 16. It's fair. It's fair to say peak tiger, healthy tiger. He's going to be right there come Sunday. Yeah. And if you'd asked that question three years ago, I, I frankly, I would have laughed at you at the idea that he would have passed Sneed's record, but I'm not necessarily sure we get the 83 this year, simply because I think Tiger will have so few starts yeah. this year because the season has has become so skewed with the, the coronavirus pandemic screwing up the schedule. But I, I definitely think Tiger is going to win on tour again. He's got every tool, and if he's healthy, which he appears to be, well, then obviously he's going to be a danger. The majors are always going to be, I think, tougher to win for Tiger, and I think he's going to win most of them now, even the t- regular tournaments from the neck up because I thought it was really interesting that you know at Augusta last year he was two behind Molinari heading into the final round it's a sign of how quickly this game moves on Travis that people forget that Molinari was the best player in the world back then you know he'd won Bay Hill he'd won the BMW PGA at Wentworth he'd won the Open Championship and he also Tiger was tied with Brooks Kepka heading into that final round as well but only one of those guys never lost his nerve or blinked in the final round were age and guile and experience and savvy one out. And that's where I see Tiger down the road having that strength is from the neck up in, in pressure situations. And I ultimately think, kind of like Phil, the best golf or the best chance he has of winning a major championship for the years to come is probably the Open Championship because that's the kind of golf that rewards mm. patience and experience. Now, he yeah. has to get lucky with the weather that he doesn't get cold conditions where his back seizes up on him but that's the kind of golf where those guys could be competitive with general brute force for, yep. for many years to come yeah it's gonna be fun i appreciate your time Eamon. it's uh i'm just glad we're playing some professional golf I, I give a lot of credit to the tour and getting out there and and uh and making this happen of course they're tweaking things as they go seems like a pretty mm-hmm. positive week um in detroit get into Ohio. Um, doesn't sound like there'll be any fans for the next two weeks and, and, and probably it's safe to say probably for the foreseeable future, but it's, yeah. it's great that they're out there playing guys are staying safe and um, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And uh, I enjoyed reading your article and appreciate you coming on and, and talking all things golf with me. Now we just got to get out there and play some golf ourselves, Travis. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm here for you anytime. Just send me a swing <laughs> and I, and I promise I won't post it. I promise. No, I'd rather, I've told you before, Travis, I'd rather send you a sex tape than send you a swing. I will not have that seen in any public forum at all. All right, Eamon, you have a great week, and I appreciate you joining the podcast. Thanks, Travis. Okay, bud.